Good morning, everybody. Uh, didn't the, the worship team do a fantastic job leading us to Jesus? Well, so good, so good. Uh, hey, I am excited uh, to start a new series, uh, and it is called Born, all right? Born, all right? Not like Jason Born, but like B-O-R-N, all right? Uh, this is our Christmas series. I'm going to lead us all the way to Christmas Eve. And as we look at Christ uh, this Christmas season, I-, I believe that he is going to fill us up in ways that we've never uh, experience. Um, this might show how, I was going to say classy, but I really mean not classy, right? Uh, you guys remember in Christmas Vacation, all right? Already just like, psh, yeah. When Clark's boss, he switches out the bonuses, they got rid of them that year, and they went for, uh, in lieu of a bonus, they all received a membership to the Jelly of the Month Club. And Eddie, when he hears this, he affectionately says, it's the gift that keeps on giving the whole year, Right? Right, uh, And as we look to Jesus during this Christmas series, he really is the gift that keeps on giving, not the whole year, but our whole life, right? Uh, and so we want to look to him, we want to draw closer to him in this season, and I believe that as we do that, we will experience more of him than we ever have. And so as we get ready to get into the word this morning, let's get our hearts ready to receive what God has for us. You guys just put your arms out with your palms up, uh, close your eyes. Just a a posture of surrender. Take a deep breath. And remember that God is just as near as the air you're breathing. God, today, would you guide us closer to you? Help our minds to put away the frustrations of the past week. Uh, Help us to put away the distractions from the coming week. We want to fully focus on you. Uh, we come empty with nothing to offer but surrender. Fill us up as only you can. Holy Spirit, move today with power. Uh, we believe that in advance. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Hey, let's jump right in. We are, uh, this series, we're going to be going through Isaiah 9, verse 6. Okay? Uh, that part in the yellow. What are we going to do on that part in the yellow? You guys are just going to sit quiet. You're going to be loud. Loud. Ow! Thanks, Billy. That was the only person I heard. But all right, yellow, we're going to say that out loud. For a child is born. born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. A child is born. And that's what we are celebrating at Christmas, right? Like, yes, the lights are fun. My, my daughter, she's about to turn three. Every time you see Christmas lights, she freaks out. Like, Christmas lights! She, she loves it. Those are fun. Uh, the cold weather and some snow, right? That's nice. Ugly Christmas sweaters are great. Love them. Presents, fun. But Christmas is all about Jesus. We're celebrating uh, that Jesus was born, that the creator of the universe came and he made his home among us. He, he is the creator of the universe. In John 1, uh, the first four verses, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, that's the word, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life, that's the word's life, brought light to everyone. Verse 14 says, so the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Saying, the word 
is Jesus. So another way to read that passage would be uh, Jesus existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Jesus. Nothing was created except through Jesus. Jesus gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. Jesus created everything with God the Father. Uh, everything. I don't think we can come close to like truly understand like just the size and the vastness of like even just like our solar system. Like we don't even really begin to understand how big everything is, but I want to try to put uh, into perspective just a little bit how big, how big the universe really is. I got, I got a little video I want you to watch. And it's gonna, here's what, before I throw it up there, it's going to start out with a, uh, just a, a, a woman and she's smiling and then it's going to zoom out and it's going to keep zooming out until we get to the observable universe. And it's, I know it's still hard to comprehend, but I want you to think about how big our God is. And Jesus, he created everything. Let's, let's give it a go. All right, so it's going to show you how far down here at the bottom, right? It's going to keep going and keep going. You guys are like, all right, I've seen this. All right, this is the globe. All right, here's the earth and the moon. Orbit, all right, we're getting, we're getting out here. All right, there's our solar system right there. Getting everything. Uh, 10 billion kilometers at the bottom, 100 billion kilometers, a trillion kilometers. We're going further, further, a light year, neighboring stars, all right, going light years up at the top here. This is our galaxy. That right there is the Milky Way, right? Think about how big that is. We've never even explored that. That's the next closest galaxy, right? And all of these are other galaxies. <laughs> you zoom back even further, right? it keeps getting bigger. This is like billions of light years, right? And that right there is uh, the observable universe. Right? That's what they can see. Started with the face of someone just smiling and it kept going and going and going. Jesus created everything with God the Father. I want you to think about just how big and how strong and how powerful God is. Creation was spoke into existence. He said it and it happened. It was spoke into existence. And Jesus, the same Jesus who was there at creation, he was born. He, he left heaven and he came to earth, his creation, right, uh, to live as a human. He sat as a creator, but he came and he lived with his creation. And that is love. To go from heaven, uh, to literally go into the arms of a teen mom, Mary. And Mary, as she is holding her baby, she is holding the creator of the universe. The love and humility of Jesus is something we cannot truly understand. Its depth is beyond us. It's beyond us. And so that last part of Isaiah 9, 6 it says this, say that part in yellow with me. And he, right, I'm gonna pause, he. 10 pounds, six pounds, infant baby Jesus, right? My, my, my Talladega Nights people. Baby Jesus, the one who created everything. And he will be called Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He will be called wonderful counselor. Jesus is a wonderful counselor. And that's where we're going to spend our time 
this morning, uh, looking at Jesus, uh, the wonderful counselor. If you were to go look at the words that it's used in the Bible, the original language for, for counsel, it means to advise, plan, guide, direct, and wonderful, it says unusual, miraculous, too difficult to understand. I could just put those together. Jesus offers advice or direction that can be unusual, miraculous, or difficult to understand. And even though we might not understand it, we might not get it, his way is always better than our way. And sometimes we need to be reminded that our way isn't best. Because the truth is we all need counsel. Everybody on this stage, that's me, everybody out there, everybody on this earth needs counsel. The problem is sometimes we receive bad counsel. You guys ever been there, right? I remember having a friend in college, his name was Lance, all right? And he was telling me that he and his wife are putting their entire savings into gold because it holds value better than a dollar. And he was encouraging us to do the same. Now, I got no idea whether that was a good idea or a bad idea, but at that time, as a broke college student, taking the only two $20 bills I had and find some gold with them seemed like a bad idea, right? Another example of bad counsel, you guys have all probably experienced this. When someone tells you these five words, you can jump that far. They do not really care if you can jump that far. They just want to watch and try. They want to see you try. Not good counsel. Right? We all receive bad counsel from people around us. Uh, people will flood you with bad ideas if you let them. But if we're honest, what gets most of us in trouble is not listening to bad counsel from the outside, it's listening to your own counsel, right? That's the bad decisions you talk yourself into. Uh, men, you take a wrong turn and you are not sure where to go. Do you stop and ask for help? No, no right, because when we're driving, we always know. Like, I know, I know, I know, I know. You could be in the car with somebody who has direction. Like, no, I know, I know, I know, right? Uh, even when you know the path, it doesn't hurt to have someone uh, remind you. Uh, even when you, you're confident, you know the path. A few weeks ago, I was driving with Kellis, and we were headed uh, to a place we've been several times. I know how to get there, right? And what happened is I'm driving. I get into that zone where you're just kind of like, you're, you're not even really thinking about what you're doing. And I'm not sure if this is safe or unsafe, but like you're just kind of like on autopilot and your mind goes somewhere completely else. And I'm thinking about something else and I'm just driving. I'm not thinking about where I'm driving. I'm thinking about something else. And we're driving and Kelsey goes, wasn't that our exit? <laughs> yep, totally missed it. Got distracted, right? We get distracted. We need uh, outside help. We need outside counsel. We focus on the wrong things. Our minds wander. And before we know it, we'll miss our exit will miss where we were supposed to go. So we don't need to be an island. We need outside counsel, but we also need that to be good counsel. Because what good is having a navigator in the front seat with you if they don't know where you're going either? So the question for us is, who do we turn to for direction? The average person in America makes about 35,000 remotely conscious decisions every day. 35,000. Now, some of those, obviously, 35,000, those are not make or break decisions. They're what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, all right, how are you going to be healthier, what are you buying at the store. Uh, we make a ton of decisions, 35,000, and in the high end, it said up to 60,000 people for some people. That's a lot of decisions. And sometimes we have so many, uh, not just like those lower level, like just I'm going to put this apple in my mouth or I'm going to eat something, like I'm going to do something like that. Sometimes it's important decisions, and it feels like those start to pile up. And when those important decisions start to pile up and it feels it gets in front of us, we get decision paralysis. 
We got so many decisions to make that it keeps us from making decisions. I know I've definitely been there. It starts to overwhelm you, right? It feels like it's surrounding you and it makes you freeze. It's like it would be so much easier if we could just have someone offer some direction. Hey, I really think you might be better to go this way or, or that way. And what if we had help with the decisions that we have to make? And not what to buy at the store or what to wear or what to eat, but the stuff that's truly important to life, right? How to be a better parent, how to be a good spouse, how to use your time, how to spend your money well. We have a wonderful counselor in Jesus, and he will give us miraculous direction if we would simply seek it from him. Now, here is a tension for many of us, for many of us. I know it's been true of me in my life. You know that Jesus is the wonderful counselor, but like intellectually, you know that he's the wonderful counselor, but you live where your feet go, right? How, how you walk, you live as if you are the wonderful counselor. We don't go and seek counsel from God. We think we got it all together. I think it's important to look at why. Why don't we seek counsel? What gets in the way? What keeps us from seeking God's counsel? Uh, a few reasons here. I'm just gonna go through them quick. I think one of them is we're excited. Uh, I'd be curious to know the number of people who have had buyer's remorse after getting a new car from a dealership, right? It's so exciting. You're in there, you're signing the papers, and then you got your new car, you drive it home. Uh, less exciting when you get that first payment, right? Like when you gotta make that first payment. So excited, we don't seek counsel. Another reason we don't seek counsel is we're angry. We just get mad at the situation and react. Uh, we make terrible decisions when we are mad. When you let your temper make decisions, you'll pay way more for your actions than you need to. Uh, another reason is we're in a hurry. Have you been to a hurry to accomplish something? So instead of uh, taking your time and doing it right, you totally make the boneheaded decision. Um, <laughs> one that you wouldn't have made if you weren't in a hurry. We, I think the other one is we think we're better than we actually are. We think we're better than we actually are. We think that we have abilities that we really don't have. Uh, I don't know about you, uh, but being a homeowner has really been a humbling thing for me. All right, maybe you can speak to this. Uh, don't call anybody, I'll fix that. That's just, I gotta run to Lowe's once and it'll take me 10 minutes. Well, three, <laughs> three Lowe's trips and three hours later, the problem still isn't gone, right? It's still there. Those are some of the reasons we don't get counsel. And, and if I could just distill those down into one word, it's pride. We don't get counsel because we are prideful. We think we've got it all down. And here's the problem. When we are full of ourselves, how in the world can we expect to receive anything from God? You can't pour into a cup that is already full. So we need to empty ourselves of our pride so that God can fill us up. We need to humble ourselves and seek God's counsel. Next question, okay, we're gonna empty ourselves. So how, how do we seek God's counsel? And I think it's, it's really easy. It's just by living his way, by living in the rhythms that he's created for us. I don't know about you, but uh, have you ever tried to uh, use something in a way that it wasn't intended or pushed past its limits, right, has limitations. Uh, when you try to use something in a way it wasn't meant to be or it passed its limits, it usually breaks and then it makes a bigger mess than it was before. You ever, you ever experienced that? Uh, about a year ago, I bought this little attachment for my drill uh, so that I could raise and lower the, the uh, trailer jack for the, the church's trailer. 
And so instead of spinning that trailer jack like this, like going crazy, trying to make it easy, that thing's loaded down, I could just like put that drill on there and go and it'd raise it up and then raise it down, uh, go easy. Um, so I get that all set up. Uh, I had to take this part off, the spinning part, so I go to lower the trailer jack. It works fine, y'all. I'm like, oh, I'm in business. Uh, it's a lot easier to go down with gravity helping you. It's a lot harder to go up when gravity's working against you, all right? Uh, I go to raise the trailer, I put that thing in forward, try to do it instantly, all right? Basically instantly, I pull on that trigger and it just goes, snaps in half. It said on the package that it had limits, but I didn't pay any attention to that because I didn't realize the limits. It broke. It had a way to operate that and I didn't take any heat of it. I just said, it's going to be fine. I know better. And it snapped. God has given us ways that we need to operate. And by seeking God's counsel, by, by first living in, we seek God's counsel by first living in his rhythms. And there are three rhythms we find in God's word that I want us to look at today. And I believe if we will get these three rhythms and we own them, we live like them, we will see the wonderful counsel of God so much more clearly in our lives. It's not that we can't get God's counsel uh, without these rhythms, but these rhythms will help us see God's counsel more clearly. It's the way he designed us to operate. It's the way he designed us to operate. The three rhythms are this, uh, silence, solitude, and Sabbath, they all start with S, it's perfect, right? Silence, solitude, and Sabbath, all right? Silence, silence is pausing for just a moment to hear God. Taking a moment to just hear from God, to, to be silent. Now look at how Elijah describes uh, where he heard God. This is in 1 Kings 19, it says, uh, this is God talking to Elijah, go out and stand before me on the mountain. The Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by. As the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire was the sound of a gentle whisper. And that's where he found the Lord. The sound of a gentle whisper. How many whispers from God have we missed because we haven't taken a moment to be still before the Lord? We looked for God in all the big and the loud ways, but we haven't sought him in the silence. We need to have moments of silence with God. They don't have to be long. They should be purposeful. And the first rhythm we need to have in our life, if we want to seek the wonderful counsel of God, is silence. Second one I want to talk about is uh, solitude. And solitude is very similar to silence. It's just retreating from the noise of the world. Silence, we're talking about just finding a moment for some quiet. Solitude is about making a moment away, right? making an extended moment away. And if we aren't mindful what will happen, if we don't seek solitude, we'll let the noise of the world keep us from ever hearing the voice of God. We're never going to hear that soft, gentle whisper 
if the noise of the world is loud in our lives. Uh, here's what Jesus says about solitude. Mark 1, 35 says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, he left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus, remember the one who created everything that we just saw there, the creator of the universe, everything. He sought solitude so that he could pray. If, if Jesus sought solitude, he was intentional about going away, retreating from the world so that he could pray. I think it's safe to say that we should do the same. Uh, Mark 6, just a, a few chapters later, it says, the apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all the things they had done and taught. This is the apostles, right? They just left Jesus. They go on this ministry tour. They're doing all these crazy stuff. They're healing people. They're seeing people be saved. They're telling Jesus all they'd done and taught. And Jesus said, Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his disciples didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. The apostles weren't uh, done with the work that Jesus had for them. Actually, you could say that the ministry God was birthing through them was just getting started, but they needed a quiet place to rest for a while. They needed that solitude. We need silence. We need moments where we can just be quiet before that. We need solitude where we can have retreat from the noise of the world. And lastly, we need Sabbath. It is resting from your work and trusting God. All right, full, fully open here, like uh, I'm going to go my, my weak hand forward, right? Uh, I am better at finding silence and solitude than I am at Sabbath. Like, it's just hard for me. It's hard for me to have Sabbath. I know that sounds weird, but I, I know some of you guys feel me. It's hard to turn it off. It's hard to just rest. Uh, Sabbath is rest from your work. And not just a rest, but resting from your work and trusting that God is going to keep it all together. Sabbath is a rhythm that God uh, created from the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? And what did he do on the seventh day? Somebody yell it out. Good job, class, right? He, he rested, right? And it wasn't because he was tired. He's God. He's the mighty God. We're going to talk about that next week. He modeled it to us because rest is important. He rested on the seventh day. That's why once a week... Right? We need to pause from our work, to pause from our striving, to pause from our earning so that we can rest and enjoy the gifts God has given us. Our world is so fast-paced and go, 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 go. It's easier now than ever to just never get off the treadmill, uh, treadmill of work, of earning, of striving, of being successful. Uh, work is easily accessible in our lives. You can be on the vacation at the beach and still be doing work. Right? Like, it's that easy. How would your life look different if you took one day a week and said, this day I'm going to stop my work? And when I say work, I mean paid or unpaid work. Things that are going to drain me so that I can enjoy God and the gifts he's given me. 
Doesn't mean you can't do anything. Doesn't mean on Sabbath you just gotta sit on the couch like I'm watching college football all day, all right? But that does sound like a great way to Sabbath, right? But it, it just means we're not doing things that we have to do, things that will drain us. We're doing things that fill us up. We're doing things that God has given to us as a gift. If you like to go woodwork in the shop, go woodwork in the shop. That's, if that fills you up, if it's something that's gonna drain you, that's not Sabbath rest. We need to take a pause from our paid or our unpaid work so that we can enjoy the gifts God has given us. What you'll find is that God can do more in your 24 hours of rest than you could ever do in seven days of working your hardest. He, <laughs> it's just how he works. When we live by his rhythms, we get to see his blessings. And Mark 2, it says this, and Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people, not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. All right, this time they were being very uh, structured and, and uh, religious about, hey, you can't do anything on the Sabbath. You can't do anything on the Sabbath. So much so that it became a rule and a burden. No, it's not a burden. It's a blessing. People need to get Sabbath rest. It was made to meet the needs of us. You need Sabbath rest. We need Sabbath rest. The truth is you need silence, solitude, and Sabbath. And if you live in those rhythms that God has given us, I believe you will receive the wonderful counsel that Jesus has. We have to walk in his rhythms so that we can hear his voice. We need silence, solitude, and Sabbath. Uh, last weekend, um, I got to pause. I had somebody at basketball give me a hat. They're actually here, and it says, warning, pastor, anything you say can and will be used in a sermon, and it's about to happen, so, like, I'm guilty as charged. <laughs> um, last week, we had three kids on the basketball team, uh, and they went a combined, all right, they went a combined seven for 41 from the field. H hot streak, right? 17%. <laughs> Not exactly an efficient outing. <laughs> Uh, and these three boys, they all hung out after the game, uh, and they had a dad told them, you guys shot seven for 41, right? You might need to go work on your shooting or shooting the right shots, right? And one of the kids, um, he thought that that was a little mean, right? Mean to tell them that they shot seven for 41. They're kids, they're figuring it out, all right? Uh, but the truth is, it wasn't mean, it was the truth. It wasn't said to push them down, to tell them they stink. Seven, that's, that's what the box score says, right? It's 7 of 41. It was someone who cares about them, who's telling the truth, who wants growth and is saying so in a kind manner. It wasn't mean. It wasn't deceitful. It was the truth. But here's the deal. It wasn't received. They got told the truth, but they, uh, one of them particularly did not want to receive the truth. Now, not receiving the truth, not a big deal for some kids playing Little League basketball. It's not. But what about receiving the truth from God? In John 16, it says this, there is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. This is Jesus talking. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, that's the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. And so what happens to us when we have the Holy Spirit and we don't receive the truth that he has? 
Like we, we reject it, we don't receive it. We don't want it. We don't want it because maybe we're not living in his rhythms. We're not seeking him in silence, stillness, and solitude. Or, or maybe we're simply not listening. We don't want to hear what he has to say. Or, or, or sometimes maybe you hear God's counsel. You just don't want to receive it. And at the end of the day, do we really believe, do you really believe that we have a wonderful counselor in Jesus? That the creator of the universe gives us miraculous direction. Think about how crazy that sounds to turn that away, to turn away from miraculous direction from God, to turn away from guidance that is too difficult or too wonderful for us to understand. How could we turn away from that? How, how could we do that? Unfortunately, it happens more often than we'd like to believe or like to think. If you believe that Jesus is a wonderful counselor for you, that the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth, we need to get our lives in line with his rhythm. We need to seek his counsel, and then when he gives it to us, we need to receive it. His counsel is perfect. He will guide you into all truth. The truth might be tough to hear sometimes. It might sound a lot like you shot four, seven for 41. That's not great, right? But he will lead you to truth. He will guide you on the right path. He'll guide you on the right path. I love how it says it in Psalms, Psalms 119, 105. You guys have probably heard this before. It says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light to my path. A lamp only lets you see what's right around you, right? Outside of that, you have to trust the guide. But if you've ever gone somewhere that has a guide, a guide doesn't go so far away, uh, so far ahead that they leave you. A guide doesn't stay behind and just yell out commands. A guide walks with you on the journey. Remember, it says, Jesus is the word. The word became flesh. His word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. He's not going to tell us everything. It's not going to be a big uh, light show. He's going to show us everything. A lamp's just going to show you the next step and the next step and the next step. And he's a guide. He's going to be right there with you. He's going to walk with you in the whole journey. Jesus is our wonderful counselor. He'll guide us step by step. We need to use his word to be a lamp to light the path. We need to align our lives to his rhythms. We need silence solitude and Sabbath so we can hear the still, small voice of God. And he will guide you into all truth. Um, got a, a little story and I'm gonna wrap up. Well, one time I remember going on a trip to Dallas and had my GPS up and going so that I'd have an ETA and that if there was maybe some traffic, you know, it'd tell you, you could miss it, you know, it'd tell you around. Uh, we get near the border and uh, the Texas border, and we hit some traffic. There was construction, and then there was a wreck. Um, and so my GPS popped up, hey, faster route available. Save 15 minutes or, you know, whatever it was. But it was too. I was in the far left lane. I needed to exit right then. Bumper-to-bumper traffic. Uh, I couldn't get off. I was stuck. And uh, I missed the shorter route. And as you sit in traffic, you saw that arrival time. You know, it's like your ETA is there. And you just see it grow and grow and grow. Uh, we missed the shorter route. It was going to take way longer on the trip. We were delayed. 
And it's a lot like when you take a wrong turn on the GPS, it's like recalculating, and then it adds that extra time to the arrival. God's GPS for your life never reroutes. It doesn't recalculate. It doesn't get delayed. He already knows the path you're on. He knows the path you're going to take. Nothing takes him by surprise. He knows the destination and exactly when you get there. He has already accounted for the delays. So hear me on this. Even when you make a wrong turn, when we turn to him, we're on the right path. Nothing can stop the Lord's plans. Nothing can delay them. He is always on time and his route is always the best. Seek his counsel. It truly is wonderful. And this Christmas, put your trust in God. For a child is born to us, Jesus, a son is given. The government rests on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. God sent Jesus as this baby so that we would have a wonderful counselor. So that we would never have to wander through life alone. That's what we have in Jesus. A wonderful counselor who will always lead us on the right path. And it started when he was born as a little baby. That's what Christmas is about. The birth of Jesus. This Christmas season, uh, life's probably already started to get crazy for you. Would you slow down, turn and look to Jesus, seek his counsel. Don't put the emphasis on stuff or the gift giving. Focus on the gift Jesus has for you in his counsel. The creator of the cosmos is ready, available, and eager to lead you on the right path. He truly is a wonderful counselor. He is a wonderful Savior. Let's pray.